0: This hour is being brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto online at carx.com. Ray, let's talk with Steve Stone
1: color analyst for the White Sox, Steve Stone joins Lawrence Holmes. Try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way.
0: Steve Stone
1: is a Cy Young Award winner.
0: He is a fantastic color analyst for your Chicago White Sox and he is a score baseball expert. As Steve was saying,
1: try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way. Steve actually poked his bare hand in the booth and has cut himself open. Steve Stone talks with Lawrence Holmes. I'm about to pass out. Yeah. (laughs) Lost Lots of blood social media got Steve Stone and Lawrence Holmes right now on the score.
0: we get the chance to talk baseball with Steve Stone we don't pass that up he joins me on the circuit resort and casino hotline circuit resort casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book early game today Stoney the White Sox take on Toronto in the final game of that series in Toronto at two o'clock or 207 I believe is the first pitch time of that game Welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Uh, unfortunately, our boys are scuffling a bit. They've uh, they've only won four of their last ten, but they find themselves kind of in the same position they were in before, just three games back in the loss column to the Twins.
0: Yes, they've been they've been very lucky over the last couple of days. Detroit's done them a solid in taking care of business against the Twins. When it comes to trying to look, there's no replacing Tim Anderson. Like we all know that. There's no replacing him. Do you think that what we're seeing with Tony in the lineup is him tinkering at the top to try to figure out who should go there every day?
1: Well, I think what he's doing is trying to find a combination that works. And I think in that series against Toronto, I think you're starting to see uh, bits and pieces of the offense coming together, getting better at bats, uh, getting more hits, scoring a few more runs. And, uh, you know, this is a time when this team is going to have to pull everything they know how to pull together, because out of all the losses this team has uh, absorbed, and there's been a lot of them, and they've been consequential players, the loss of Tim Anderson, to my thinking, is the worst, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, uh he was a base-stealing threat consistently. Number two, one of the league's leading hitters. Number three, a table-setter premier. Uh, seems to me like he got some pretty big hits when he had to. I think he was getting much better with the glove over the last week. I think everybody saw that. So as his game was getting better and better, the Sox were at least looking like they were starting to come together, starting to get a few of their walking wounded back. Luis Robert was a couple of, when Tim went down, Luis Robert was a couple of days away from coming back. Juan Cotto, who was in the lineup uh, this afternoon, looks like he's coming back. The question is, will his bat come back with him? The same can be said for Grandal. But uh, they just have to have their hitters start to hit. Uh, I think everybody was so worried. I mean, all I heard about Jose Abreu was, boy, he's gotten old. Boy, the bat is slow. Boy, everybody's beating him. Well, they're not beating him right now very much, and he's hitting the ball much better. So uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of resurgence with the offense. Now we have to have the the rest of the essence of the game catch up with it.
0: The lineup for today for the White Sox, Garcia at short, Robert in center, Moncada at third, Abreu at first, Gavin Cheats in right. Yasmani Grandal is catching. Andrew Vaughn batting seventh in left field. Reese McGuire, the DH. Josh Harrison batting ninth and playing second base. Philosophically, if you have a team that is struggling overall, and they have been better in this series against Toronto hitting the ball, how do you feel about handedness? It, Manoa does seem to, if there is one knock on his game, this year is that left-handers have done well against him. Would you rather put a left-handed lineup out there just because, or would you rather say, you know what, I've got really good right-handed hitters, I'll I'll attack this good pitcher with my best hitters?
1: Well, the best hitters they have available are in the lineup and I think people get, uh, I think they're obsessed with where everybody is hitting. Boy, how can you hit when you're hitting second today and sixth tomorrow and seventh the next day and leading off the next day? How can you hit? It's very simple. When you take a look at the lineup and you see your name in the lineup, your job is to hit. When you, When your turn comes up and you grab a bat, your job is to hit. Now, if you look at Manoa's record at 5-1 and one with an ERA in the 1s, you realize he's a pretty good pitcher. And he's really tough on right-hand hitters. And I think Tony is trying to maximize uh, uh, the left-handers against Manoa, trying to find a combination that can beat him in the third final game of the series. So I don't get too upset about where a guy is hitting in the lineup. Now, quite obviously, if he's hitting in the top three, he's probably going to get sometimes the top four. He's going to get one more at bat. On a given day. But if these guys are all swinging the bat, or some of them, especially the left handers, swing the bat, I think it's going to be fine. I think what Tony is doing is she's trying to search for answers. And, you know, the interesting part about um, media types and tweetsters and everybody who evaluates, if Tony did literally nothing, if he ran the same lineup out there day after day after day and they were twenty three and twenty five right now five games and back you'd have the same people who are calling for consistency in the lineup they would be calling for changes how can you do the same thing every day when you're not getting any results for it how can you possibly do that so uh, look a manager is not going to win with public perception when the team isn't winning and the reality is a manager can put as many people as he wants in there in whatever places he wants to put them in But when the game starts, it's up to the players to perform. If they don't perform, if you don't play good defense, if the base running isn't great, if you make mental mistakes, if you do all of those things that lose you baseball games, pretty much it's on the players.
0: There's Stoney, there's no doubt about that. My only counter to that is in this series alone, we've seen Andrew Vaughn not just be good like getting hits, but having wonderful at-bats. And and as you say, if he's sitting in the top three, that's one more at bat. That with this team, the way that they're playing, that might be the difference. It, it might the difference might be here's an RBI situation. Who do you want in that RBI situation right now? Yoan Moncada or Andrew Vaughn? And I would say that I would want Andrew Vaughn in that spot right now, considering what he's done and the type of hitting profile that he's shown us.
1: Well, I look, I mean, I'm a big and have been a big Andrew Vaughn fan. And so when I look at him in the seventh spot, I'm kind of wondering myself um, what he's doing in the seventh spot. But then I look at the splits. And, you know, everybody, everybody also was saying that Tony is not a new age guy. He doesn't use statistics. He's, he's, he doesn't use the analytics. I mean, he goes with observational analytics, which is basically seeing something and then going with that. So now maybe in going with the analytics here, and I'm just saying maybe because I'm I'm sitting in Las Vegas, I don't know what's going through the thought process of of Tony or his staff when he makes up this particular lineup. Maybe he's looking at Manoa being really tough on right-hand hitters, even good right-hand hitters, and not so tough on left-hand hitters. So it could be that with Garcia and Moncada, and Sheets and Grandal hitting in front of Vaughn, Tony believes there'll be some traffic on the bases when Andrew comes up. I'm telling you what he's probably looking at as opposed to an endorsement of Andrew Vaughn in the seventh spot, because I like Andrew Vaughn. I was one of the first guys that said the biggest problem in the two spot can be solved by putting Andrew Vaughn there. And he did, and he seemed to thrive. So now you got Luis Robert back. He's in the two spot, and hopefully, uh, hopefully this lineup will get it done. I would love to
0: for that to be the case. I'm a I'm a Yoan Moncada fan, but it's it's clearly not working for him. Uh, and and I'm not sure what you do. I, it, it it's it's one of those weird things where obviously a guy is not going to get better by not playing, but figuring out what to do with him and how to play him, maybe this is a matchup that he can win.
1: Uh, I I think, I think this is a tough question because when the season started, there was no doubt that Moncada was going to be one of the guys that you thought, I mean, you being the ball club management, the front office, everybody involved, everybody thought Moncada would be a mainstay because he was a switch hitter, because he's actually playing still a pretty decent third base, because when his legs are good, he has some speed, and you depended on him in the middle of that order. As it turned out, he's not getting it done. Grandal's not getting it done. And so... With with two of your switch hitters and the importance of having a left-handed presence in a lineup that's very right-handed heavy most of the time, those guys become critical. And when those guys aren't doing it, by and large, the team isn't going to do it. And so that that's, that's a couple of things that's happened. And, you know, you go back again to the loss of Anderson out of the loss of everybody. The table setter, uh, that's really damaging to the team.
0: I want to go back to the last couple of starts and get your thoughts on it. Lucas and Michael both struggle. And I, I felt like last night in watching it that, that Michael was having a hard time with where he was landing on the mound. And, and I know that the, the mental part of pitching is a huge part of it. You discuss it with me every week, and I'm really appreciative of that. So how, how badly can that set a pitcher off if they feel like they're not landing correctly on a mound?
1: Well, let, let me take you back to a, a strange scenario, and both pitchers, both Lucas and Michael, were in different spots for different reasons. Lucas has been through the grind of 162-game season. He kind of understands that. He's pretty much going to go out there whenever his turn comes up. On the other side of the equation, for the better part of a couple of years, Michael Kopech either didn't throw the baseball or was on a drastically limited schedule. So it was nine days between his start against the Yankees and his start against Toronto. If nine days was ideal, everybody would be on a nine-man pitching rotation. That's not the case. Nine days is not ideal. What happens is uh, you lose your rhythm. You lose that touch and feel that you really need to pitch. You might lose your, your landing area. I mean, you're just completely out of sync. Nine days is not good. However, to try to limit the innings that Michael Kopech is going to have this year so that he is available and strong in, let's say, middle of August into October, you're going to have to cut back the innings somewhere. And if you run him out there, I mean, we saw how aggravated he got leaving after five innings when he thought he should have gone longer. So if he wants to go longer in games, they're giving him longer between starts. But, look, I I wasn't a fastballer when I really learned how to pitch, but I loved pitching on the fourth day. A four-man pitching rotation, you get to pitch on the fourth day, and the reason is that touch and feel did not desert me on the fourth day. I felt really good about starting taking a day off, working in the pen, taking a day off, and going back and starting again. So I never felt like I hadn't been on the mound before, and I think to a certain extent that's what Michael was thinking about last night. And because of that, you know, Michael still is a very young pitcher. Even though he's 26 years old, he's young innings-wise in the major leagues, starts-wise in the major leagues, very young pitcher. And what he said was he wasn't living in the moment last night. We've talked about it, Lawrence, when when you and I talk about the mental aspect of pitching, if something is wrong with the physical aspect, when you don't have rhythm or you don't have have, uh, anything in sync, sometimes it affects the mental processes. And what he said was instead of thinking pitch to pitch, he was thinking batter to batter. Mm. And for a pitcher or a hitter, the only thing you have is the next pitch or the, the next pitch either throwing it or hitting it. If you're thinking beyond that, If all of your concentration is not on that next pitch, and for a pitcher, where you're going to throw it, what pitch you're going to use, and sometimes it's automatic like it was in New York. When he was throwing that gem against the Yankees, I guarantee you he was present pitch to pitch. He thought to himself, slider on the outside corner. Boom, it was there. He thought of himself, fastball, up and on the inner portion. Boom, it was there. Those are the easy days. Those are the days when guys with great stuff just handle any offense. But the other days, like last night are days when a pitcher has to try to think his way through a problem. And if you're not thinking your way through pitch to pitch, if that doesn't become your whole world, then you've got a problem. And Michael Kopech had a problem.
0: And if and you ever had a mound that you just didn't like, like you didn't like where you landed or the way that, that it was constructed.
1: Well, certainly you do, but that's when you have to start to carve out your own spot because you know, the mound can only be 10 inches high. It can only have a certain amount of slope, But you have to make sure that you're used to it. And the one thing you have to bear in mind, and this will remain a constant, a pitcher is the only player that warms up in an area where he doesn't do his job. If you're a third baseman, you take ground balls at third. Shortstop, same thing. Outfielder, you take fly balls in left field. Left field doesn't change. It's not a different left field when you go to play during the game. It's the same left field. But a pitcher warms up on a bullpen mound, which – Some teams, and I know this is shocking, some teams try to make it a little bit different than the game mound, especially when you're on the road and you might make it a little bit different. Now, I know they're trying their best to make it exactly like the mound in the game, but just sometimes, and it's usually the visiting mound that's a bit different, but the reality is you are warming up in a place where you're not going to do your job. Then you go out to do your job and quickly you have to adjust to a different mound. That means that many of these pitchers, and how often have you heard, if we don't get him early, we're not going to get them? You've heard that a lot with good pitchers. The reason is that he's kind of adjusting to, number one, the rhythm of going out there and, and extending himself uh, as far as the adrenaline is concerned in that first couple of innings, but also he's making adjustment to a mound that's different than the one he warmed up on.
0: With Lucas, I'm, I'm, I'm torn because there were moments in his start where he was dominant, where he was striking people out, and then mm-hmm. there were moments when he was, he was getting touched by a very potent lineup that Toronto has. What did you see in that start?
1: Well, I think that uh, if you look at before the game, and they did uh, uh, when, when Gordon and, uh, and Jason were going through uh, the lineups and they showed what hitters were hitting against changeups, I think you saw that Kirk was hitting pretty well against change-ups. And I think that's what Lucas threw him, especially the first time. I didn't see the pitch-by-pitch uh, pitch in the second time at bat. There's certain guys that hit change-ups very well, and I think with Lucas at this point, uh, Lucas has to make sure that he's able to establish that slider or maybe a curveball. I know that's going to be his fourth pitch. But he can, if he can establish his slider, then kind of pull back on the frequency of the straight change, use it more as a surprise than a staple, I think he's going to be uh, maybe in better shape because there are certain hitters or certain teams, and we've seen it once with Boston. They did this to Lucas. They actually gave up the fastball to sit on the off-speed stuff. I think to a certain extent the Toronto hitters were doing the same thing, where some of them gave up the fastball to look for the off-speed stuff because you saw a couple of pretty good hitters looking at third-pitch fastballs, taking a lot of the fastballs and trying to hit whatever he threw off-speed. So I think that's the problem when you get known primarily as a two-pitch pitcher. You can guess 50% of the time and get the pitch you want. However, uh, as we know, Hitters hate to give up the fastball, but some teams have more plate discipline than others.
0: Have you ever thrown away a pitch and a start? Because when I was watching Kopech last night, I'm like, he doesn't have feel for his curveball. And I was like, stop throwing it because it, all it's going to end up doing is put you behind in the count. So how do you go about deciding, all right, I don't have feel for this. I'm no longer going to try to get feel for this because it puts me in a bad spot.
1: Well, from my standpoint, because I didn't have the real big Michael Kopech fastball, I threw a curveball and a slider and a cutter, as well as the two, two types of fastballs. I didn't really have a changeup. I changed up off the curveball. So if something wasn't working, I had to go to something else. And I remember pitching back-to-back games against the Yankees. We were 11 and a half games back the beginning of August. We, we cut it to a half game back. Before, before winning 100 games and not going on because there was no wild card. But I faced them twice in five days. I faced them in our ballpark in Baltimore, and I faced them in New York. And that game, that game in Baltimore, I threw what I usually throw, which was fastball, curveball, a lot of those. Three speeds of curveball, but fastball, curveball. Now I'm facing them five days later. I can't really attack them with what I attacked them before. So before my curveball could be good or bad on a given day, I threw primarily all fastball sliders. And I had them still looking for the curveball by the time the game ended. And that is something, that's an adjustment I made, but I had three or four, five different variations of pitches. But Michael, again, he's, he is still, he's a young pitcher still, and I can't, I can't emphasize enough that he doesn't have this backlog of, of major league starts to really learn how to consistently win and be competitive with less than your best. We had a young pitcher who went on to win 245 games in the major leagues named Dennis Martinez. Dennis perennially would go 15 and 17, 18 and 16. When he had his great stuff he beat everybody. When he had less than his great stuff they beat him because he was still a very young pitcher who became an excellent pitcher down the road because he learned how to finesse people when he didn't have he didn't have that popping fastball or that really Sharp breaking slider. Michael has yet to learn that. He's going to, but you have to you have to go through the growing pains. The major leagues has a lot to teach you, and they're going to teach it to everybody. And they're teaching it to Michael right now. Stony, I'm concerned
0: about today's game, and the reason is is that I I think Johnny Cueto has been better than you could have even expected. In fact. I feel like in the three starts that he's given the White Sox, he's kind of paid for himself already because they've been really good starts and it's maybe mm-hmm. stuff that you weren't expecting. But I look at his stuff versus this lineup and I go, ooh, that could be problematic. So what does Cueto have to do to keep these guys off balance? And as you pointed out, he, th- this is a team that seems to have fairly good discipline at the plate. So how can he exploit them?
1: Well he's gonna to have to do what, what Cueto does and that's uh disrupt their timing with his motion. He's also gonna to have to throw some pitches below the hitting speed. You know, guys love to hit uh in 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 this day and age, guys are geared up for any five anywhere from ninety four to ninety seven miles an hour. Johnny's gonna throw consistently below that and he might have to change up off his fastball. I think a lot of pitchers, and Johnny is not one of them because he's a pretty smart pitcher, been around as long as he has, but he realizes that he can't throw the same pitch in the same spot, the same velocity to the same hitter, because eventually with his fastball they're going to pick it up. So he's going to do everything he can to disrupt the timing of a pretty good offensive lineup. I mean, quite obviously this uh, this Poochade team can really hit. Uh, we've seen that, I think, just about, Everybody has seen that at this point. But, um, you have to do something. I mean, they're 29 and 20. They're five games in back of the Yankees, and the Yankees obviously are playing really good baseball. So, you know, you're dealing with a team that's won seven games in a row. They're 16 and eight at home. They're just mere mortals on the road, but this team really plays very well at home. Uh there's also a big advantage that Toronto has at home that you might have talked about here and there, and that is playing some teams who can't have their full complement of players because of vaccinations. This is not an indictment of people who don't get vaccinated. That's a personal that's a personal preference. And, you know, I'm a pretty much live and let live kind of guy, do what you want to do. But the reality is that Toronto will face some teams that don't have their full complement of players. Consequently sixteen and eight at home. So I think that Johnny Cueto is going to have to fool these guys. He's certainly not going to be able to blow them away. But, you know, there's ebbs and flows to a season. The Los Angeles Dodgers and their fans, right now they're sitting there going, um, are we on the way down because we got swept by the <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates at home? We played at home. The Pirates swept us. I don't know They if they have swept the Dodgers at home since, like, the big war. But they were able to do that. I don't think people are sitting there going, oh, Lord, it's time to get off the bandwagon. No, they're still a pretty good ball club. So you've got strange things going on in baseball. You've got the entire National League East. I look at the Mets. They're running away with it. They're doing great under Buck Showalter. But I look at the teams that were really hopeful, Atlanta and Philadelphia. Atlanta is 24-27. and Philadelphia is 22-29. and They're 10-and-a-half and 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 12-and-a-half games back, respectively. I mean, that division at this point looks like it's in a shambles, and there's probably teams chasing the Mets wondering, number one, how are we going to get back there? And number two, why in the world is this happening to us? The Angels have lost six games in a row. It's a problem for them because they're chasing a Houston team that's awfully good. So, no team is without their challenges except the elite teams in every one of their divisions. And I take a look at Minnesota after they get done with Detroit, which, by the way, they've lost three or four to the Tigers. Three or four. I don't see the Minnesota fans jumping off the bandwagon quite yet because they're still a pretty good team. However, they have nine games after they get done with the Tigers today, nine games against really good baseball teams. I'm not sure they're going to fare all that well in those nine games, and that will be the chance for the Sox. However, as we know, this is one of the toughest stretches of the season. you got Toronto, you got Tampa Bay, you got the Dodgers. Those are nine really tough games, and Minnesota will match them as soon as they get done with the team they haven't beaten, which is the Tigers. When do you rejoin the club? I am coming back for the Dodgers series. I am really anxious to see what a lot of people feel, is, if not the best team in baseball, one of the best teams in baseball. With a lineup that's just unbelievable, with MVPs just about everywhere you look, a team at this point, even with their three-game losing streak, they're 33-17, and 17. they're playing 660 baseball, that's pretty good. I'm anxious to see them, so I will be back, ready to go, and then I'll be around for a while after that, taking no more time off. I'm trying to build to a crescendo. <laughs> Well, you've got as to, the season moves along.
0: You've got to get your your arm ready for August, September and October too. So.
1: Well, I'm I'm sitting right down the road of that Circa uh uh casino and resort. Oh, ca- the the uh, casino and resort that you uh, that you guys have been promoing for a while. I can if, if I really squint my eyes, I can almost see it from where I am. So, I'm uh, I'm kind of enjoying some time off and uh Unfortunately, we, we need our boys to be a little bit better and a little more heads up because one thing we know they can't afford, and that is mental mistakes that eventually lead to physical mistakes, which eventually lead to losses. And, uh, you know, it's still plenty of time to turn this around. Um, I, just, I just really think that the team feels that the loss of Tim probably more than the loss of anybody else. Stoney, have a great time out there
0: in Vegas, and I look forward to seeing you when you get back. Thanks, Lawrence. We will, uh, we will reconvene at a later date. Yes, yes, we will. That is Steve Stone, score senior baseball analyst and White Sox color analyst. We need to take a break. We need to talk White Sox. I'll do that next here on The Score.
1: Noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and Odyssey Station.
0: Great chat with Steve Stone. As per usual, I always enjoy it. I always feel like I learn something. I, I love talking with him about pitching. One of these days, we'll just do like when things aren't dire with the White Sox. Maybe we'll just do a whole episode with Stoney where we're just talking about, like, the art of pitching. I I really enjoy what he had to say about Kopech and all the stuff that he still has to learn to be a great pitcher. Would you, as a White Sox fan, like some good news? I'll take that as a yes. Here's some good news for you. The Minnesota Twins have gone 22 innings without a run. Now, look, I understand that we got problems in our own house right now, but the good news is that they had an opportunity to have this lead extend out to seven games, and they haven't been able to do that because they haven't scored a run in 22 innings. And I am here for all the struggles that the Weird Ass Twins can get. Weird Ass Minnesota Twins. Yes, and shout out to the Detroit Tigers. That are out here doing work. That lineup that the White Sox have today is um, is interesting. Lauri hitting leadoff, batting 183. Robert in center. Then Moncada batting third. You can't even, like, if I told you to guess what Yoan Moncada's batting average was, it would still be too high of a guess. Yoan Moncada's hitting 131 and batting third. So your one hitter and your your three hitter are both hitting in the ones. Now, this is clearly an opportunity for Tony to, to put some left-handed sticks at the top of the lineup against one of the better pitchers in the game because the splits are better. Jose Abreu will bat fourth. Gavin Sheets will bat fifth. Yaz will bat sixth. Andrew Vaughn will bat seventh. And I don't care what the matchups say. he's He's your best hitter. He should be up in the lineup as far as I'm concerned, but whatevs. Reese McGuire will DH, and Josh Harrison will bat second. Even with the weird-ass Minnesota Twins not scoring runs in the last 22 innings, they are still leading the division. Joe Ostrowski is curious on why they are still not picked to win the division and why the White Sox in a lot of places still are the favorite. I will discuss that with him, and we will discuss more than that next here on The Score.
1: Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, in Odyssey Station. Joe Ostrowski, host of BetQL Daily. When early
2: odds is on the air on Saturdays, there are a lot of people that tune out, they don't want to hear sports betting, but when you really break it down, it's just...
1: Sports talk. The best gambling analyst in the country. Wanna bet? with the Wanna gamble?
2: When I reach out to people that have models or some odds makers, what maybe once upon a time it was three points for home field. Right now, and most people aren't aware of this, it's one and a half to two points.
1: Joe Ostrowski on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Right damn now. We
0: love when Joe Ostrowski visits the show because that means we're going to get smarter about what to do with our sports betting dollars. Joe's segment is brought to you by Points Bet, and he joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Joe?
2: Lawrence, people like to say this is the dead time in sports. Unless you're all in on your baseball team, highly disagree. We've got the NBA Finals starting tonight. Stanley Cup Finals going on. We've got uh, one series that looks to be a complete shootout, which resumes tonight. I mean, we've got the College World Series. Starts tomorrow, which I've been getting into, uh, especially this season. The women's college world series is on. I placed an NHL draft bet yesterday for the first time in my life. Oh my god, <laughs> you have completely <laughs> been converted,
0: and it's a really, really good thing. I was going to ask you about the the women's college world series. I didn't
2: I didn't know if you could bet it, but you can. Let me double check because I found myself actually uh, watching some of it. Over the last uh, week or so, over the weekend, I I heard you talking about it. Yeah, I, 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 I had the Northwestern I?
0: coach on that crazy series between Northwestern and Arizona State. It, it was it was wild. And now I mean, they they got a tough task because that Oklahoma team. If if there's a line set mm. for who's favorite to win it, it should be Oklahoma because they're they're a problem for sure. But it's it's a fun game, and this this tournament, the the, the super regionals were really really entertaining. Uh, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And hopefully Northwestern can survive Oklahoma. But
2: You know what? I, I'm able to get the kid. I have an easier chance, what I've realized, a small sample of uh, getting the kids to sit down and watch softball at the college level or baseball at the college level than baseball at the major league level. Yeah, that doesn't so surprise
0: me. And, and with yeah. softball in particular,
2: I I think that the
0: surface area, like the amount of space the diamond's smaller, the game is faster. I I personally think that it's a really, really cool sport that more people should, if, especially right now, if your baseball team isn't getting it done for you, mm-hmm. that's that's a team, that's a sport that you might want to jump in and have a little fun. And there's a little extra star power in the college Women's College World Series. Tom Brady's niece plays for UCLA. She's one of the best players in the country. Her, her name is Maya Brady. So... I, I know that the 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 betQL gang was was talking about their indifference in, in watching Tom Brady play golf and watching yeah, okay. Patrick Mahomes play golf. So did you bet that at all, Joe? Did that, that no. not? No. no.
2: You know what it is? It's something that people talk about because we have the uh, superstar athlete, NFL quarterbacks. People always love talking about them. And I guess it's kind of intriguing that they're, they're doing another sport. And Josh Allen made some waves with his comment about vomiting before every game. It's something that's talked about beforehand. And the odds are kind of interesting to look at and how they get to those numbers. But I have no interest in watching those guys. When they play at was it Pebble Beach... And they have all the uh, the actors and actresses play? In the pro you Yeah, yeah. Like, I have no interest. And they're playing slow. It's not their... Th- no, I'm good. We've got... Like I just mentioned, we've got enough going on. I don't need to add that to... <laughs> to it's just something I've talked about every year, but when it actually occurs, I never find myself uh, willing to watch it.
0: There is a lot for us to talk about, but before we talk about all of those things, we have to talk about this.
1: Wednesday, dude, is what if day. Which is gonna be buff. Oh, sorry. It's gonna be buff because we're gonna be playing some rap all day. Ziggy, 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 Zig. Zig, Zig, Zig. <laughs> rap, buddy. It's gonna be stony, bro. Cool. You can watch pay-per-view, late-night channels. to be buff and stuff. But right now, check out... The buff what? video, young MC man, just to get you in the mood for rap day, man. It's like massage you in with the solar dad, Trinidad dad coming down side underneath. The weasel, the
0: weasel. We gotta talk <laughs> about the weasel. the weasel. No, we don't.
1: <laughs> on
0: BetQL this morning, I oh I God. love this show. It's on eight to eleven hour time. I'm listening to the Joes and Aaron and the crew. I, I, Mush was in there too, right? Didn't he jump in and say some stuff? Uh, oh, Paul Mushpan? Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he said some stuff too. I called him that at softball last week and he was <laughs> like, oh man, you know about this too? I was like, yeah, I listen like, fairly frequently. But yes, Paulie Shore is going on tour.
2: Will you be getting your tickets when he makes his stop here? No, no. Yeah, it, it, I don't know how that came up today, but it's been so long since I've seen a comedy show and then I saw that Bill Burr is coming in November and... And, wow, he's going to probably sell out the United Center. Um, those tickets are astronomical. So I asked Tanny, and he's already planning. He's like, do I go Chicago or do I go to Fenway Park, which would be a really cool visit? Because then I saw the Red Sox are there a couple of days later against your favorite team right now, hmm. the Toronto Blue Jays. So, yeah, I'm not going to see the Weasel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not going to the Weasel. you got to go see the Weasel. I hope my, my dude – I know you were saying you were looking for – comedy and like you're seeing a lot of people that aren't funny, but yeah, I'm hopeful yeah. that when he's here, when Bill Burr's here, my guy, Joey via Gomez opens for him because Bill like produced like he, Joey and one of his specials. So if you're looking for someone local, that's kind of fun. Joey via Gomez, like look up some of his stuff on YouTube. I think you might find him funny.
2: Okay, good. All right. Do that.
0: Now yeah. let's talk about the white Sox and the twins, Joe. As it stands right now, are the White Sox still favored to win the American League Central? And if so, what's the justification?
2: Yes, they are. And the first things that I look at from a betting perspective, okay, White Sox are the only team not leading their division, and they're the favorite. And it's not a one or two-game gap. We're now at a five-game gap. And by the way, it's also a five-game gap with the Guardians, okay? They are also right there at five games back. And it's the White Sox minus 110, uh, Minnesota plus 115, plus 1,000 for the Guardians. I mean, maybe we should start talking about them as part of this conversation. There is a 79 run differential between the White Sox and Twins. 79. Um, Minus 50 for the White Sox. I heard you bring this up, and I was thinking the exact same thing. They are one of the luckiest teams in baseball to have this record right now. Because... What the expected record is is nineteen and twenty nine, but they're twenty three and twenty five yep. due to the due to the negative fifty. Do you want to play a, a little buy or sell shout out around the horn? Sure, like I'll I'll throw a reason out there that I'm trying to come. I I don't think the White Sox should still be favored right now. Let me make that clear in the first week of June. Because of the five-game gap, run differential, a few of the things that I mentioned. And Tim but, Anderson I'm, being gone for three weeks. Absolutely. So I'm trying to come up with some reasons. You tell me if you're buying any of them. Okay. Uh, we are 29.6% of the way through the season. White Sox massive favorites to start the year. They were minus 200, which implies before the year started, they had a 67% chance of winning the division. Uh, the win total was 915 half for the Sox. It was 815 the for minnesota so don't overreact we haven't even played a third of the season there was a 10 game gap between these two teams before the season started would you buy or sell that as a reason the Sox are still favored
0: yes that and and because yes that the early part of the season but i will say that when the white Sox say it to me joe I get annoyed.
2: <laughs> I know you do.
0: I, I get really annoyed when they're like, oh, there's so much season left. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you got players that are hurt. You've got players that, that you thought were coming back maybe a little bit sooner. Then they have a setback in recovery like Eloy's had. So, yes, it is a valid criticism of the criticism that there's still 70% of the season left to go.
2: Offensively, 28th and on base. 28th in OPS, 28th in weighted on base, dead last in walk rate, positive regression. They're not going to be a bottom three offense when it comes to those categories at the end of the year, buying or selling.
0: I'm selling this, and the reason that I'm selling it is that some of their players look like they, they are having players that are having great seasons. Like Tim Anderson, if he qualifies, can end up winning a batting title, for example, Andrew Vaughn looks like the real deal as far as offensive players go. Luckily, Jose Abreu has has started to come around a little bit. But they have six of the worst hitters in baseball right now. And a bunch of them are in today's lineup. Mm -hmm. And, And while it's easy to go, well, those guys will regress, some of them don't have enough of a history that makes me feel comfortable that a regression is on the way.
2: Second-half schedule, extremely soft for the White Sox. Buying it. 16 with Detroit, 11 with Kansas City. Hold on. S- 7 with Oakland, 7 with Baltimore, and this division will s- will be decided on the Sox-Twins game because they're still going to face off 16 times, so you don't have to make the Twins the favorite right now.
0: Well, I, th- I said it was buying it, but then this team has struggled in their own division, Mm-hmm. I think Baltimore's tougher than people give them credit. Like they're not good, but they're, they're not an automatic win anymore. Okay. The tigers are actually playing a little bit better.
2: No, oh, stop
0: it. Well, they're beating the twins. We got one twins. really good
2: pitcher. I'll tell you that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Just one. That's <laughs> one. it.
2: Said one. Ball, yeah. That's
0: it. That's all they got right now. So I, I guess I'm, I'll stay in the buy category but I would just warn White Sox fans that like you can look at the American League Central and say it's an easy schedule for the White Sox but they've been below 500 against the American League Central.
2: Okay, let's talk about the division games. That's that's why the Twins are winning right now. It's all the games in the division. They are 17 and 9. Outside of the soft AL Central, the Twins are 13 and 13, so they're not that good. They're 9 and 5 in one-run games which you could say is a little lucky. That is one of the best records in baseball. Probably not going to be the case after 162. Uh, White Sox, actually 16-13 and 13 outside of the division. They've just been playing terrible inside the division. So, you know, twins over the balance of a season. We're going to find out they're not that good when they're done beating up on these bad AL Central teams.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Are you so taking, that. Are you
0: taking Tampa... Because I heard you make a, make the division? No, not the Rays. I'm sorry. I, I, I want to go go back to talking to Joe Pucks to oh. to win the series against the Rangers. Because I I heard your logic this morning on BeckQL Daily, and I was like, you know what? That actually makes a ton of sense. I think Tampa's going to win this series. So down a game, why not get some value on them coming back and and winning this series minus one and a half
2: down a game, also off a loss in the playoffs they've won 18 games in a row that spans three playoffs it's going to be hard for me to bet against them game two in fact I'm not I'll tell you right now when we get to game number two I'm going to take the lightning 100 but yeah when these teams go down in the series and you could bring this over to the NBA as well this is that's when you want to buy them just because Celtics Warriors is starting tonight and you want to make a series bet, right, to win the title. It doesn't mean that you have to get that wager in before the game tip's off today. Like, if you... Th- I think the Warriors are going to win game one, but I would take the Celtics for the series. Well, why would I bet it today when I'm going to get a much better number on all of these things uh, in series? So that that's something a lot of people don't consider and uh, something you could do. And let's say you like Tampa Bay Lightning to win the series, and maybe you think they're going to win the Cup. Well, hey, try to... F- figure out a Con Smythe then too. You could uh, maybe go Stamkos. It's looking this morning, right now he's 28 to 1 for Con Smythe and uh the Abs are such a heavy favorite Lawrence that they're minus, meaning they're minus 110. We still have four teams left. The wow. series just started. Uh yeah, so just because these series are started, don't think that you have to get all your bets in uh, right before, like for instance, the NBA finals start tonight. All right, well, I'm gonna th-
0: th- check out all of that because I, I I said to Navo last week that starting this thing out, I would have said like if you to come to me before the Stanley Cup playoffs happen, say who do you mm-hmm. think is going to be in the final? I would have said Tampa Bay and Colorado. 100%. So so I'm I'm still good like right there. So. I think that Tampa Bay is going to win this series. They got rocked in game one, like no doubt about it. But I think they're going to win this series, so maybe that's the move to make. I, I might move with you on that one, Joe. Joe, as always, I appreciate it. Beck UL Daily is a must-listen. People should be listening to it on the Odyssey app. Early odds Saturday morning on the score is fantastic, and Joe is one of our people. So support Joe and everything that he's doing. Joe, thank you. Have a great weekend, sir. Thanks, Lawrence. You do the same. That is Joe Ostrowski. Travel baseball manager. Well, not really, but he's dealing with all of that stuff now as a baseball manager. Angry Joe out there with the kids. I love it. I got to go see a game that he's managing. I got to go see it. I got to see how he reacts. It'll be a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, the NBA Finals start tonight. I want to get a preview, but I also want to know, is it possible that Zach Levine doesn't come back to the Bulls? Vincent Goodwill is going to join me to discuss all of that stuff. Next, here on The Score.